0: We feel like it's effortless, but we have to actually reconstruct the message and it's actually a very complex task. We don't just hear. We don't just listen. So therefore, if you're looking at a word, if you even close your mind, right, and focus on a word, it's going to influence the sound that you hear. Isn't that strange? We, you'd think, oh no. There's no way. That, that, that doesn't happen to me. I'm just way too aware. I'm, I'm way too cognizant of what I'm hearing and seeing. So what I hear is what I hear, and what I see is what I see. And that's just not true. What's inside of you, what's inside of me, what we're focused on, makes a difference. Even this morning, at this very moment, everyone's mind is focused on something, and what you're focused on, that's really gonna affect how you hear my words today. And whether you really hear what I'm saying or not, or whether you hear what the Lord wants to say to you or not, I kid you not, it it matters. We know it matters. So we know that hearing as an ability, just hearing is kind of accidental, it's involuntary, it's effortless, but listening is a skill. Listening is about focus, it's voluntary, so you have to choose to listen, and it's intentional. So you have to want and take the step and make the choice to listen. Right? And then, what's kind of odd about us as individuals and people, that there are some of us that really we listen more with our hearts, and others of us we listen more with our minds. How many people here listen more with their hearts? Okay, I'm seeing you. How many people here listen more with your mind? There you go it becomes even trickier, right? Because there could be things in our hearts that create trouble for us. There could be things in our minds that create trouble for us. It could be in both places. And some of us, we listen with both. We go back and forth and all around and we have to figure out which one I'm listening to, my heart or my my mind, right? But it matters. So what we hear and what we see is largely, now you're going to have to hang with me here, Largely a result of the state of our mind and our heart. Largely, what we hear and see is a result of the state of our mind and our heart. What our minds and our hearts are focused on. If you're focused on me, if you're focused on my words, if you're focused on trying to determine and decipher the intent of my words, if you're with me, then you're going to track with me, and you're going to hear what I have to say. But if not, there can be all sorts of other things. And you may miss what I have to say. So when it comes to Christmas and the Christmas story in the Bible, I'm going to ask you this. Do you hear what I hear when it comes to the Christmas story in the Bible? Do you see what I see? Do you know what I know? Do you know what the wise men knew? Think about that. You know, it all depends, doesn't it? It all depends on whether your state of mind and your state of heart was the same as them or not. Whether you're focused on the same things. Whether you're skilled in active listening. It all depends. If you're hearing what I'm hearing. If you're seeing what I'm seeing. If you're knowing what I'm knowing. You know, it's true. It really is true. So this morning, I want you to read with me a passage of Scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter 2. It's part of the Christmas story. As we're taking a little detour from what I've been preaching on in the book of Acts, and we're going to take a look a little bit at the purpose of Christmas, and a little bit at this Christmas story. Because I'm here to tell you this morning, now hear this, or better yet, listen to this. God wants you to hear what he hears. He wants you to see what he sees. He wants you to know what he knows. And he wants you to get the message that's communicated to us from the Christmas story. Let's get it this morning. Amen? Let's read together. Let's read together as we considered what what these people were hearing and seeing and why these people were hearing and seeing different things because they did. They heard and saw different things. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, now we all know that this happened a a ways after Jesus' birth because they were still hanging out in Bethlehem. Mary was recovering. It took time for them before they took off and went back. So... Jesus was growing, he was no longer a little baby at this point. Even though our folklore and the way we put Christmas together, we often think he's a baby, he's not at this point. He's uh, grown a bit. He could be as much as two years old at this point. But maybe not, maybe only about a year or so. But it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod. So that gives you a, a little historical marker. It was during the time of Herod the Great, King Herod magi or wise men from the east came to jerusalem and they asked where is the one who has been born king of the jews these are gentile foreigners from a foreign land and they're coming and asking this question interesting isn't it who else was asking this question (laughs) no one other than the shepherds right but here they're asking that question we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And there's a reason for that. When he had called together all the the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, that was that Herod did this, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report back to me, so that I may go and worship him. And after they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Not a normal star. (laughs) Right? Not a normal star. Kind of a unique astronomical event. Wouldn't you say, Kent Lupton? Yes. And so we keep going. Kent's our resident star man, so uh, that's why I asked him. Anyways, let's keep going. It says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Wow, may God add his blessing to his word. Consider with me what the different characters in this, this great little familiar Christmas story what determined what they were hearing and seeing? And why were these people hearing and seeing different things from the same message? They were hearing and seeing different things from the same message. Just like some of us here this morning may be receiving and hearing and seeing different things from the exact same por- portion of Scripture. Why? Well, let's look at the characters. The first one's King Herod. Wow, King Herod was known as Herod the Great. He was known as Herod the Great because he was indeed great in many ways. He was a great ruler, builder, and administrator. He was great in politics, but he was also great in cruelty. You know, he, had a, he was infamous for that. One historian wrote, he was wealthy. He was politically gifted. He was intensely loyal. He was an excellent administrator. He was even clever enough to stay in the good graces of the Roman emperors. His famine relief was superb. His building projects, including the temple in 20 BC, were were marvelous and admired by even his foes. But he loved power, and he inflicted heavy taxes on his people. He did. And in his last years, he suffered from diseases that made him very, very paranoid when it came to him losing his power. So, you know what he was known for? If you were a rival, you're going to lose your life. He killed a wife. He killed sons that he was paranoid about. People people knew him as ruthless and cruel, and you had to be careful around him. In fact, Augustus, the emperor, the great Roman emperor, said this of Herod, it was safer to be Herod's pig than it was to be his son. So that's how they felt about him. He was ruthless. So the fact that all Jerusalem was troubled along with Herod is significant. Why were they troubled? You know why. They were worried about what this paranoid madman was going to do. He could start killing people randomly. He's going to protect his power. He's going to be careful. But you saw in the story, he was slick, wasn't he? He had a little plan going. A little ruse going here with the wise men because he was not gonna he was not gonna bow down and worship this this baby no he feared this child and hearing of him being born he considered him a rival he didn't see jesus as lord the messiah he saw him as a rival lord to his own lordship he's going to change everything he's going to take away My power, I'm the one who's used to being in control. I'm the one who's used to calling the shots. I have worked hard to gain this power and this control. And I don't want to let it go. I'm afraid to let it go. I'm afraid what it will mean. I'm afraid that it could destroy me. And so he didn't see him as a savior. He saw him as a threat that he needed to control and extinguish. Have you known people like that with Jesus? When you talk about Jesus, Jesus was talking, to create something. They see it, they see, no, they don't want to hear about Jesus. He's, he's too politically incorrect. He's too much of a lightning rod. He, he's, he's about truth. And he's only one way. And there are some people that really are threatened by his lordship and want to extinguish him. So think about what Herod's mind was focused on. What was he hearing? What was he seeing? What was he believing that caused him to interpret the star, the signs, the testimony of his own religious writings, as well as the testimony of these wise men as negative and fearful. That's the way he interpreted it. What caused that? See, you you can see what's in his mind, in his heart. And how it's controlling how he's interpreting these things. So there's Herod the Great. Well, you've got chief priests also in this little cast of characters and the teachers of the law. And this, this was the first contact the religious leaders had with Jesus. By Herod coming to him and saying, hey, this Messiah is supposed to be born. He's supposed to, this star is supposed to indicate the fact that he was born. And people believed that and were and were, were looking to a new Messiah. In fact, there was a there was a a feeling at the time, historically they talk about, that a great ruler was going to come. So even surrounding nations believed that. And there was talk about that. That would come out of the East, would come out of Israel, in that area. So, but this was the first time they ran into this Jesus. So they go to Scripture, and they understand the biblical information correctly. And, And don't you love that? Because they're professors. But guess what? they have failed to apply it to their lives. We understand who this person is supposed to be and who <coughs> what the star is indicating, but we're not going to do anything with it. So they said to King Herod, they, they quoted to him Micah 5.2, in Bethlehem of Judea, this great ruler will come. The star will rise, and it will indicate this ruler coming. And they were right. And from this passage in Micah, they understood not only that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, but he also would be the ruler of God's people, Israel. But again, sadly, these experts had the right information, but they didn't seem to have any personal, they were personally uninterested in meeting this Jesus. You know how far Jerusalem was from Bethlehem? Anybody here look at maps much? It was only five to six miles. How far did the, did, did the wise men travel? We're going to find out. They traveled a long ways to find Jesus and to see this king. But these religious leaders who have religious writings in their own authoritative writings that speak of this Messiah would not get off their little holy rear ends and go five to six miles to meet this Jesus and check it out. They were indifferent. Well, you now have the wise men, the magi. They came from the east to Jerusalem. These travelers really should be called wise men rather than anything else. They weren't kings. They were wise men. Legend talk and considers them many times to be kings, but they weren't. They were wise men, which mean they were probably astronomers. But they were lifelong learners. Uh, and there wasn't only three of them, right? We only see the three in and the and, And legend has given them names. No, there were probably a whole company of them that came. Just because they gave three gifts doesn't mean there was just three of them, right? And we know that they didn't come on the night that Jesus was born because they saw the star that indicated his birth and then they had to get stuff together, shut down their business, get provisions together, determine where to go to find the next clues and then travel there. And that took months so they were on the hunt for months our passage tell us that they saw this star when it rose and they came to worship him so they were guided by this astronomical phenomenon that was mentioned and and it led them to jerusalem and it led them to other writings and so they thought well there is indicated in scripture because these were learned men and they studied, and they looked. They probably found this prophecy in Micah 5 two. And so they came to Jerusalem, and why would you come to Jerusalem? It is the epicenter, it's the capital for this religious movement. Surely they will know where this child is to be born, and where we, we need to go next, and so that's where they came. And they expected that the leaders and the people in this capital city would be more interested than they were to find this Messiah but guess what they found out they were not they were not they grown grown cold they didn't care anymore they had better th- fish to fry they wanted to protect their power they wanted to protect their lifestyle they wanted to keep the status quo we we get like that too don't we sometimes you know uh, when you're when you're in a a comfortable religious state ah eh, you know, following that star don't really, you know, this is fine. This is as good. This is okay. I'm happy with this because it's going to take too much effort or take me out of my comfort zone. They weren't interested. There are many different suggestions about this natural origin of this star, but I'm here to say that all of them kind of fall through. It wasn't the conjunction and coming together of Jupiter and Saturn because it wasn't the right year for that. It wasn't one of the comets because it wasn't the right year for that either. Uh, So historically they could look back at those dates and study those those writings and discover whether anything was seen and it wasn't. Some thought it was a supernova but there's no indication of a supernova around that time. Um, So no comet, no supernova, but there's this unique star. The star that doesn't fit in, does it? It first appeared when months earlier when the child was born. And then it caused these Magi's to ask questions, search for answers. And then they persevered until they found guidance in the Hebrew book of Numbers. And in Numbers 24, 17, it said this, A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So, they knew something's going to happen here. And like I said before, it was highly regarded in that time that this scripture was a a prediction of the Messiah coming, but also that there was a Messiah that was going to come. And so they embarked to find this Messiah. Now I want you to get some takeaways here, because we can get lost in some of these descriptions of these people and these characters. But I want you to get, get some takeaways here, because I don't know if you notice in this passage, you see three separate responses. And these are kind of the galvanized, far to the right, left, or middle responses. There can be responses kind of everywhere in between. Um, But these are the three ways people responded to Jesus here. And I want you to catch this from these three characters. You have first Herod. How did Herod respond? He displayed open hatred and hostility toward Jesus. Some people respond that way to Jesus. I don't want anything to do with it. Religion is a crutch. Jesus is bogus. Um, What what makes him better than any other religious figure? Uh, All the multiple religious figures of the world around us. That's kind of arrogant to think that he's the way, the truth, and the life. That's pretty narrow. That's pretty dogmatic. Uh, You know, that's not very progressive. But it's the truth. So you have Herod. You have Herod people. Maybe you can think of Herod people that are around you. Maybe you're a Herod person. Well, now you have the chief priests and scribes. That's the other group. They're not as openly hostile or, or have so much hatred, but they're indifferent to Jesus. And they're indifferent all while retaining their religious respectability. I, I jump through the hoops. I do the things I'm supposed to do. I, I don't do too much. I don't do too less. I just kind of, you know, I'm right there. And but I'm indifferent This whole Jesus thing it doesn't get me very it doesn't get me excited. I don't hate it. Don't love it I'm just right there and we have people like that three the third response is you have the wise men and They were wise for a reason and wise women they investigated they asked questions They sought out Jesus they worshiped him and they did it all at a great cost They circulated their life around their search for him. And they circulated their life around finding him. They circulated their life around living for him. Do you see? They're they're true followers. Jesus just wasn't something they tagged on. He just wasn't a nice little add-on. Their lives were about it, and it cost them greatly. I want you to learn something because this passage screams out to us, but you can miss it if you don't pay attention. And and I'm always marveling at the fact that as you, you listen with your heart as well as your mind, you begin to see these things in Scripture. And we should learn from the wisdom of these wise men. And here are some of the things that we need to learn. And if you're taking notes, write these down. God met them where they were in their own world, in their own medium. God wants to meet us where we're at. God is willing to come. In fact, the scripture says that Jesus came and dwelt in our midst. Jesus met them where they were. He spoke their language. They were people who studied the stars. He's not condoning that as a religion. It's not astrology. He's not condoning it as uh, the only way to experience God, but God spoke to them in a way that they could hear him because God is relevant and he met them there number two these wise men weren't satisfied with looking at the star and admiring it they did something about the star and they set out and followed it so important we must be people who respond (coughs) whenever God shows something whenever God says something he's waiting for your response He's just not, you just go, oh, okay, well, cool. No. No. That's, that's not getting it. You're not hearing it. The Lord is, is saying, come, I'm offering you, respond. Don't just see it and move on. But act, respond. Three. They persevered in their search and following after the star. We're gonna, we're gonna go. We're gonna follow it. We're committed to following it. We're committed to discovering it. We're committed to growing and learning. Man, would we be, that we'd be committed to those same things. Because they felt in their heart, they could see that star, they could hear it calling to them. They knew that if they persevered, they would find what they were persevering for. Because they were getting more and more information all along. The breadcrumbs were laying out and they were finding more and more truth. Number four, they weren't discouraged in the search by clergy or doubtful religious leaders. They weren't discouraged. I want you to let that sink in a little bit. You know what? Some of you discouraged me before I came to faith in Christ. I could point to you and say, and I won't say what I would say because it was pretty harsh. But my family members said the same thing because of what we experienced and saw. But you know what? When I started checking out Jesus and actually reading the Bible, imagine that. I started reading it in seventh grade. I put it aside for two years and then really sinned big time because I wasn't ready. But you know what? I kept going, hmm. I go, I'm around a lot of religious people. I was. I grew up in a business that put me in line with all sorts of religions of the world. Uh, every, you, you, you can imagine everything, from cults to mainline religions that were other than Christianity. And I got to ask questions and got to push the limits with them. And I, I, I remember thinking, golly, you know, these other people are knuckleheads but there's nothing wrong with Jesus. This Jesus guy is something. There's something about Jesus. I could gripe about his followers, I could gripe about other religions of the world, but I could never gripe about Jesus. And I started discovering that there's something there. There's something there. So I didn't, uh, and thank God, I never got discouraged about Jesus. Got discouraged about other things, but not him. And ultimately, I found him. Thank you, Jesus. But these religious leaders, they kept after it, though this journey cost them tremendously in time and money and miles. Time and money and miles. They kept after it because they saw that he was the way, the truth, and the life. He alone had the words of eternal life. I'm here to tell you he's worth it. Have you given and are you giving time, money, and miles to the Lord to find him? If he's worth it, then give it. Don't keep it. Keep following (coughs) until you determine in your mind he's not worth it. But I say he is worth it. And I say you're going to find him. You contrast that with the leaders of Israel who were unwilling to even go five to six miles to Bethlehem to check it out. You know, I remember remember sending certain books that mattered to me to certain people that were close to me, and those people would never even crack that book open that talked about Jesus, that gave some historical facts. They would go and they would read everything that was out there that was against religion, against Christianity, against Christ, But they would not search and seek for anything to validate him. And I just scratched my head. Why are you so dead set against it? Because some people just are. Just like these chief priests. We don't have to be like that. We can be like the wise men. And then here, number five, as foreign Gentiles... They rejoiced at the star even when the civil and religious leaders did not rejoice in the star. They rejoiced. Six, when they arrived at the destination the star led them to, they entered in. I love these guys. They were wise for a lot of reasons. They just didn't go on this journey. They just didn't do the research. They actually entered in. When they they found the place, they entered in. They came close. And when they entered in, guess what they did? They worshipped. They adored him. They bowed down before him. Man, and and guess on top of that, they just didn't go in, they just didn't worship him, but they had a sense of urgency that they were to worship him now and not wait until later. Because if you read on in the story, you know what's coming. Herod has murderous thoughts. And when he finds out that the Magi have kind of left him high and dry, he gets so mad he goes out and he kills all the children from zero to two years old in that area. Puts every one of the male children to death. He's ruthless. And Jesus and his parents had to flee to Egypt. But it was part of God's plan. And they had to stay in Egypt until great Herod died. And then he was able to come back because the folks that were seeking to take his life were already gone and dead and he could come back to fulfill the rest of his mission. They knew that they had to worship him now. And when, finally, when they worshipped him, it was to give something. They didn't come empty-handed to adore him. They brought something to him. They opened their treasures. They presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Those were common gifts, especially in the East. Um, You would give to something of of importance or royalty, and you would never come before a person of importance and royalty without something to give. And they came to bring those things, those things of value to him. I want to consider who these wise men believed the young child to be. They believed he was the Messiah. He was the Lord. He was the one who would save the world for their sins. He was the king. So it's not surprising they would give such lavish gifts. Man. The great preacher and pastor Charles Spurgeon observed this. He, goes, he, he observed this wonderful pattern in the example of the Magi. He says, those who look for Jesus will see him. And those who truly see him will worship him. And those who worship him will consecrate all that they have to him. So i going to say amen to that? <laughs> amen. That's what you do. That's the process. That's the call. Do you hear what I hear? Do you see what I see? Do you know what I know? If you do, you're going to respond like these wise men. Right? We're all going to be responding by, like them. And the Bible tells us, being divinely warned in a dream, that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. See, I love this. Their worship, it manifested something else. It manifested in obedience. See, that is worship. It's not just to lift your hands. It's not just to clap. It's not just to sing. It's not just to come to stuff. But it's to obey. To obey him their obedience to the heavenly dream and leaving with, without serving as herod's informant let me tell you something made them truly wise men amen they were truly wise because it probably would have meant their lives and god took care of them because they obeyed well this morning as we conclude if you're still looking for christmas i get like that sometimes at christmas I'm not one of them who enters into Christmas and into the Christmas season quickly. I don't know if you're like me. Maybe you, some of you are listening to Christmas music by, by the 1st of November, right after Halloween, right? I can't do that kind of stuff. And I enter, into, I enter into it slowly, and sometimes I feel like I'm looking for Christmas. I'm looking for the Lord in it all. I'm looking for his will in it all. I'm looking for the joy in it all. But I'm here to tell you today, if you're looking for for Christmas, come to God's Word and come to the Christmas story in the Gospels. And you'll begin to see Christmas. I want to also invite you to get out and look up into the stars. Kent, wouldn't you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. Get out and look up into the stars and look at the world around you and pay attention to it. Get into conversations with people who you trust and ask real questions and seek for real answers to discover who the real Messiah is. And realize those conversations might have to take time, they might take months, they might take a couple years, but stay in them, stay in it, keep following, keep following because he's going to begin to lead you. And when you find him, and when we find him, and we find Christmas, we must devote ourselves and all that we have to worship him alone. We must. We must afresh do that and recommit ourselves to that. God wants us to hear what he hears. He wants us to see what he sees. He wants us to know what he knows. He wants us to know his son, Jesus, and their plan to save you, And save the world. He wants you to know that. And he wants to use you as part of that. That's what Christmas is about. I want you to stand with me as we close in prayer. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. For all of us, Lord God. That we. That would captivate our minds this morning. Would be you. In our heart that we would be looking for you and that your word, your call, would be the call we hear and we respond to. Lord God, help us to see what these wise men saw, to hear what they heard and to know what they knew. God, help us not to go through the Christmas season missing all those things. And Father, we pray for those that are just hostile, against Christ, hostile against the gospel message. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus for your mercy and your grace to be poured out on them. We rebuke you, Satan, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and bind you off the hearts and minds of these folks that we love and care for. We know that you just want to kill, steal, and destroy, and you want to be worshiped and you just want to drag people away from the only Savior that can save. We rebuke you, we bind you, and we, Father, we proclaim your kingdom on this earth and ask that your spirit would move in the name of Jesus to open people's hearts and minds to you, to let them know that what's in their mind and in their heart is affecting how they're hearing and what they're seeing and what they're experiencing and knowing. So God help them to take lordship and take charge of those things so that they might indeed be able to hear the truth and be set free. We ask this in Jesus' name. So we just give you praise. And Father, we also pray for just a blessing of protection and peace upon all of our people, all of our church, all of our families, as we drive, as we share times together, as we cook and shop and all those things help us, God, to be blessed, protect us, help us to be aware, help us to slow down where we can. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. So, Father, we just bless you for this day. We bless you because we know Christmas is coming, and we want to receive it, and we want to walk in it. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and we all said together, amen. Amen. Lord, bless